This is LEC Online Church. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. This summer, uh, we've been talking about this series of countercultural and, and, and talking about what it means to be countercultural. We've taken a close look at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, through seven, and this sermon is the longest discourse, the longest amount of uh, scripture that we have of actually Jesus speaking in the New Testament, so I'm so very thankful that we've taken the time to look at the words. How many of you believe if Jesus is speaking, we should be listening? Amen. Amen. And we've been trying to take as close a look at this. We've talked about various topics, and as Pastor said, this is my last Sunday to be a part of the series, and I just want to thank Pastor Bill uh, for allowing me to be a part of this series with him, uh, allowing us to be able to engage in this together. I know I've learned a lot. You've already told me that you've learned a lot uh, from this series, and we pray that not just that we learned a lot, but that you learned a lot, but not just learned a lot, but that you were challenged by this sermon, this sermon series. The Lord has a special plan and a special purpose for Lake Erie Church in this community. He has a special plan and a special purpose for you wherever you may live. But we need to take the words of Jesus serious, amen? We need to live countercultural. We need to stand up and be the church that God has called us to be no matter what it is that culture is telling us. If you haven't learned that from this series, you, you need to go back and listen to some of the series. We need to be countercultural. The world is telling us to do some things that is completely contradictory to our morals and contradictory to what God is saying. And I believe that this series and this word is a very on-time word, especially, especially this morning. Ever since Pastor and I talked about the outline and as to how these sermons would go, I've been very challenged, and I will say this, Pastor, almost scared to preach this message. I've read this passage of scripture before, and it's been one that um, has challenged me personally, and in fact, it really challenged me this past week and in the, the weeks leading up to this as I've been preparing for this message. The reason why is because this message and the words that Jesus says in this passage that we're going to read here momentarily carry eternal weight. They carry eternal weight, not just for you, but for each and every one of us. And it's important for us to lean in. This is what I want you to do. I want you, if you can, prevent anybody, if you, unless you have an absolute emergency, please try to stay in the sanctuary during this time. I believe that God has a word for each and every one of us. And I want to challenge you this morning. Before I read the scripture, I want to challenge you to lean in and listen to what God is saying to you as an individual Christian, as an individual person, but then also how that applies to us as a church. I believe that God is calling us to take these words seriously. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to be reading verses 13 to 23. You can go ahead and please stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. If you do not have that translation, we will have the scripture on the screen. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 23. At this point, the Sermon on the Mount, the Jesus' words during this discourse are coming to a close. And I believe he's reached the pinnacle point of what he's wanting to talk about. Verse 13 starts like this. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. 
Verse 15 says that be, we need to be aware, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheeps, sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. This is Jesus talking. That is by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Oh, wait, I think I script. Did I pass? Verse 17, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Verse 19, so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Verse 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we performed many miracles in your name. Verse 23, this is Jesus speaking. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. You, bro you break God's laws. Today I want to talk to you on the topic and challenge you to lean in to the topic that you can't fake it and make it. You can't fake it and make it. So would you please pray for me as I pray for you. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord God, I thank you so much for your spirit that is already moving amongst this place, that is already moving in the hearts and lives of each and every person under the sound of my voice, whether they're physically in this location or they're watching live at home. I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that this wouldn't just be a traditional message, that this wouldn't just be words that we take and we leave and we leave feeling the same way that we came, but, Lord God, that this would truly be a word that challenges us, Lord, that challenges us, each individuals as Christians, but also challenges us as a church. You've called us to be a church that stand, to stand up and be countercultural, and I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that your spirit, Lord God, would challenge us today. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would bind every distraction, everything that anybody came in dealing with, anything that anybody came in battling, Lord God, I just pray that you would just bind those things right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I pray, Father, that you would spill everything out of me that doesn't belong. Lord, I don't want these words to be my words. In fact, I'm scared that if these words are mine that they're going to go lost. But Lord, I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that every word that I speak would be words from you. Lord, we pray that you would just have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you have ever heard the phrase before that you got to fake it to make it? How many of you have heard that phrase before? Only a few of you. Well, if you've, if you've never heard that phrase before, usually people say that phrase whenever they're trying to confront something or whenever they're being challenged by something that they have to do, but they've never done it before. They've never done the research to try to do it before, and they do it anyway, and a lot of times they say, well, you just got to fake it till you make it, right? That's how, that's what, how the phrase has typically been used. And then honestly, growing up, I used that phrase. I don't use it anymore, but I use that phrase quite a bit. You got to fake it till you make it. I wasn't the smartest student, so I had to fake it till I made it. I didn't make it necessarily as good as my mom wanted me to at school, but I made it. But you have to fake it till you make it. And one of the instances that I want to talk to you about here this morning when I had to try to fake it till I made it was after I graduated college, I got a job at a factory making springs. Is Caleb here? Is Caleb Resitech? Caleb worked at this place. Everybody get up for Caleb Resitech. 
Caleb actually helped me get this job. Caleb did not fake it there. I had to fake it there. In order to get this job, they gave you, the, literally, they, the, you, you turn in your application as part of the hiring and interview process. They had you take a math test. I believe it was a math test. And you had to answer all the questions, and I'm terrible at math, but apparently I did good enough at math that they wanted to hire me to work at this place making springs. Well, there's various things that you could do at this place. You could actually be in charge of the one who's making the springs, or you could, you know, sand the springs, make them all pretty, the, the little springs you find in pens or big springs that you find. We made all sorts of springs. I thought when they hired me that I was going to be the one who was going to polish the springs and make them look all good and, and everything like that, but they actually hired me to be part of the one who was actually typing in the numbers and all that kind of stuff to make the springs. I'm terrible at math. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, well, I need a job. I'm going to fake it till I make it. I literally said that. I'm gonna, okay, I'll, I'll take the job. It's, it's whatever. I'll do it. Well, uh, during the beginning parts of the job, they had an older gentleman who, uh, I don't know <laughs> if he did quite a good job of uh, training me on how to run the machine that I was going to be running. He would walk through, he'd go. But the thing is, how many of you have ever been trained by somebody before and they go way too fast when they're trying to explain it to you and then they say, hey, did you understand that? Yeah, that's exactly what happened with me. This guy was going through, he's like, oh, you got to do that. And I, it literally was like, I, I, I had no idea what I was doing. A couple months go by, and I think I'm starting to get it, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, this guy tells me he's going to be going on vacation. And when he goes on vacation, the machine still has to run. And the boss thinks, oh, Dustin's had two or three months of training. He'll be able to run this machine, make sure all the orders are fulfilled and all that kind of stuff. But let me just tell you, that was a lie straight from the devil. I was not able to do that. But, you know, it was my job. I told him, I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I go to, the I go to the work the first day where the boss or where my, the, the guy who was training me was on vacation. And the boss is like, okay, sit down, do your thing. He hands me a stack of orders that I have to complete. By the end of the day, I'm not even kidding you, it was that thick. By the end of the day, I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to do whatever I can. And as every time the boss would come by, I'm just sitting in there, you know, typing in numbers on this thing. I had no idea what I was doing. Let me just tell you, what I made was not a spring. I actually made the coil that was, that was supposed to make the spring. I made the coil look worse than what it did before I put the coil in there. And, but every time the boss would come by, I tried to fake it till I made it. I tried to do everything I can. I'm typing in numbers. I'm trying to do everything I can. The boss must be thinking, oh, he's so good at this. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, he came up to me. He's like, hey, Dustin, how many orders did you fulfill? Well, uh, I told him, I was like, well, you know, you saw me uh, doing all these things, but uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't fulfill any of the orders. I was not able to fake it, James, until I made it, because guess what? It didn't work out. And even though I was faking it, my boss knew that I had no idea what I was doing. I was only able to fake it until the truth came out. I was only able to fake it to when at the end of the day and the rubber meets the road, the truth comes out. And you're able to see that I was not truly trained. I was not truly in the process and in a position to be able to fulfill the role that I had. You can't fake it and make it. The same concept is the one that Jesus was trying to communicate during this entire sermon. 
that he is preaching here in Matthew 5 through 7. He wanted the people to understand that to be a true follower of God, he wants Lake Erie Church to understand that in order to truly be a follower of God, you cannot be fake. You cannot be fake. The problem was many of those whom Jesus was communicating to and preaching to during the Sermon on the Mount were of Jewish descent, and they thought that they were doing everything that they should do. They thought that faking it, going through the motions and doing everything that they thought, they thought faking it, they could make it. But unfortunately, that is, that is untrue. They thought that they could put on a show and because they were getting the approval of men. And we talked about this uh, whenever the last time I preached when they would give and people would stand up, applaud, and oh, they do all this. That they thought that because they were getting the approval of men, they were going to be okay. However, Jesus tells us in the sermon that if you can't fake it, you cannot make it. And here at the end of the sermon, everything comes to a head. People have been trying to fake it, thinking that they could make it to heaven. But in the words that we read here this morning, Jesus tells us that that is not the case. Let me just tell you, you can fake being a Christian all the way to the end of your life, but unless you're truly a genuine Christian, unless you truly have a genuine relationship with Jesus, unless Jesus has truly transformed your heart, unless Jesus has truly transformed your mind, and unless you're walking in, in the will that God has for you, you can only fake it for so long. We need to stop faking it just to think we can make it. We think that, oh, but I go to church every Sunday. I'm a member of Lake Erie Church. I have Bible verses quoted all over social media. You should see my Instagram. Oh, do you see who I follow? They got that blue check, all that kind of stuff. And based on all of these things, I'm going to heaven and I'm fine. Those things are all awesome. But unless you have a genuine relationship with Jesus and your heart is completely sold after him, you can can go to church every day for the rest of your life. You can give any amount of money in the offering. You can have every verse of the Bible quoted, memorized in your heart in both Hebrew and Greek. You will not make it to heaven. Oh, but I know John 3.16. Well, it's good you know John 3.16, but do you truly Receive and believe, John 3.16. Are you truly sold after Jesus? Or do you come in here and put on a show for each and every one of us and say, oh, there's no possible way that 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 person's not a Christian, but when you leave this place, your relationship with Jesus is not the way it should be. The problem with the church, sorry if I say this, Pastor, is it okay if I say this? You haven't answered yet, so... (laughs) The problem with the church in America is that we have too many people faking church. We have too many people saying that we love God, we worship God with our mouths, but with that same mouth we go out and curse our brothers and our sisters. We think that if we fake it in church, we'll be okay. We have too many people that speak words of death over people. When you're lurking at circumstances, all you do is focus on the negative. All you do is focus on, oh, it's that old devil again, instead of speaking words of life, instead of saying into that situation, yeah, it may be that old devil again, but we serve a God who's greater. We serve a God who's on the inside. I feel like this mic is turned up really loud, and I love it. We have too many people who place their membership to a political party over their membership to, a, to the body of Christ. Come on, somebody. 
We have too many people who are faking being a Christian and they're supporting the Republican views or the Democratic views. We need Christians in the United States of America. Jesus wasn't a Democrat and Jesus was not a Republican. Newsflash. Is that all right if I say that? I've studied scripture and he didn't, I didn't see it anywhere. We have too many people who are, who are judging others and forgetting the sin. And Pastor talked about this a couple weeks ago, the sin that is in their own life. Oh, have you seen what that person did? And we forget about where God took us from. We forgot about where we were at one point in our lives, Sister Stella. We forgot, oh, did you see what they did? Oh, I might as well go and judge them. Come on, get over it. I'm sick of fake people, and you should be too. Do you know why you should be too? Because God is sick of fake people. God is sick of fake Christians who are talking one out one side of their mouth at church, but talking out the other side of their mouth uh, in the other places. i got to keep moving on. The problem is we have too many people thinking that they can fake it and make it to heaven. Oh, but I've deceived every elder. I've deceived the pastor of the church. And whenever I come to church, I raise my hands whenever I'm supposed to. I give the amount of money in the offering that I'm supposed to. But when I leave, I am a completely broken and destroyed person. And I take that brokenness and I go and destroy other people. God is calling us to be genuine. God is calling us to be real. Jesus is telling us in this passage that fakers won't make it to heaven. Fakers won't make it to heaven. In doing so, he presents us with three truths that we're going to discuss here this morning. The first one is this. Only a few take the path to heaven. In verses 13 and 14, he says this. You can never enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Every time I hear this passage, I, I get this picture uh, in my head. So Ethan, if you would throw up that first picture. The first picture we are going to see here is an interstate highway with multiple lanes. And I don't even know how many lanes that is or even where that interstate highway is. But that is, whenever we look at that and whenever you ask somebody in the world, they think that that is the road to heaven. They think that that is the road to heaven. Everybody's going to go to heaven. In fact, they say, how could a loving God send people to hell? They think that is what the path to heaven looks like. They think that everybody's going to go to heaven no matter what they did. Some, even in the church, believe that most people who go to church are on the wide road and only the bad people are not. However, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying that this is actually symbolic of the road to hell. One that has a lot of people on it. This road is not hard to find. i got to tell you a story really quick. Katie and I just traveled this a couple weeks ago, uh, about a week ago. We went to Maryland, and we were like, okay, we're going to try to figure out a path to get there. And uh, we didn't want to take tolls because there's tolls in Pennsylvania. We had to drive through Pennsylvania. We did not want to take tolls, so we decided that we were going to take a back road to get to, Pennsylvania, or to get to Maryland. The worst decision ever. 
I absolutely hated it. It, it said it was going to cut out so much time or whatever. I was going, I, saw, I literally couldn't find anywhere to eat lunch. I was tempted to stop at somebody's house, knock on the door and say, hey, can I have some lunch, please? I'll pay you to feed me lunch. Because we wanted to avoid the road. We wanted to avoid the tolls. That's what the road to destruction looks like. It's like the interstate highway we got on the way home. We decided we would take the, ro- we would take the tolls, and it was such an easy, so much easier drive. And that's what the path to destruction is like. It's easy. It's the path that's full of least resistance. Yeah, that road looks crowded, but I guarantee you that that's not much traffic. People could get through that road easier. Jesus said that the gateway to heaven looks like this. Go to the next one. This is the path to life. It's narrow, and the road is difficult. Only a few ever find it. This past week, I looked up what the word few meant in the Greek, and it comes from the same word that means a little bit or the smallest amount. That's the word Jesus uses there. Oh, but everybody thinks that it's just going to be, and listen, I'm not here, and I, 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 as I was planning and preparing this message, I was telling the Lord, I'm not here to show you a list of people who are going to heaven. I don't have that authority. I don't have that power to do that. But what I am here to show you is I'm here to show you what Jesus said about those who are going to heaven. The, the word few means a little bit or the smallest amount. Only a few people ever take the, fat, the path of being faithfully committed to Jesus. The only reason why only a few take this path is because Jesus said it was a difficult path. How many of you have been followers of Christ for long enough to know that it's not been an easy road? It's not been an easy road. I've heard it said all my life, Sister Jeannie. Oh, people think that coming to Christ and life's just going to be this grandiose, great thing, and it's going to be easy. In fact, it's actually gotten a little bit difficult, difficult along the ways. And I know you've had your difficulties. I've had my difficulties. And it's, it's not an easy thing. If you think that it's easy, go ahead and look through the New Testament and all the letters that Paul wrote. Paul, the apostle, the one who wrote majority of the New Testament, the one who was proclaiming Christ and spreading the movement of Christianity, was kicked out of cities, was literally threatened death several times, thrown in prison, beaten nearly to death, and all that kind of stuff just to proclaim the gospel message. So a lot of people don't choose to go down the narrow path. And, and looking, I tried to find a, a vigorous path that you can see. It's actually, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a, I like that picture right there. But a lot of people choose uh, the, the, the path of destruction because it's easier to go down. Whereas the path of life, we have to go through difficult times, difficult circumstances. But let me just tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Because I'll tell you what, there's been so many situations and instances in my life where I don't know what I would have done if it wasn't for Jesus. I don't know what I would have done if it wasn't for the love of a church. I don't know what I would have done if it wasn't for a love of a brother or a sister in Christ. I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, the path hasn't been easy. And for some of you, maybe your path has been a lot more difficult than mine, and I'm not trying to belittle your story, but I guarantee you that if I was to pass this mic around to everybody in this congregation who has consistently standed firm in their faith, who has consistently remained genuine in their relationship with Christ, they would tell you that the path was not easy, but the path was worth it. 
The path has been worth it. It's worth it choosing life. It's worth it choosing to go the, mo the more difficult path. The Bible and history are full of ancient and modern, are full of people who had to suffer the difficult road to heaven. John Wesley said this, the father of Methodist faith, and actually has some, uh, some, some words and things that he's attributed to the, the Church of God as well in Pentecostalism. He said this, the road leading to heaven is the way of lowliness, not loneliness, lowliness, mourning, meekness, holy desire, love of God and one's neighbor, doing good and suffering evil for Christ's sake. When looking at this word, we would wonder, why would we ever want to follow that path? Because it's worth it. And that's the only path, pastor, you know. It's the only path that leads to heaven. But we think, oh, but the, the, it's wide and everybody's going. Every, no matter what it is that you do, you're going. No, 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 no. Jesus says the road is narrow. It's difficult. Some people think that, oh, because difficult things are happening in my life, and listen, I've been there, I've questioned God putting me through difficult situations, and I've said, God, why? God, why do you even care about me? But here we find that it's the road to heaven that's full of those difficult moments. It's the road to heaven that's uh, helping to shape you and to mold you into the Christian that God has called you to be. Do you realize as you sit right now, everybody who's sitting in right now, myself included, you're not the Christian that God has called you to be yet? God, God is shaping you and he's molding you like a potter molds his clay. It talks about in Jeremiah how, how a potter molds his clay and sometimes the clay is marred. Sometimes there's defects, Brother Willie. Sometimes there's things that happen in our lives, but the potter still has the clay in his hand. So yeah, you may be going through difficult situations. And some of you may be going through a difficult situation literally as you're sitting in this sanctuary. But let me just tell you, keep going. It's worth it. The potter's got you in his hands. I tell the youth group all the time, take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out. That means that you are still here and the enemy hasn't won yet. And the enemy will not win. Yeah, it's full, of, it's, full of, uh, it's full of resistance, it's full of difficulty, but God says it's worth it. The problem is we face those difficult situations and we want to jump off the path. We face those difficult situations and we say, well, that path looks so much bigger and so much better. Look at how fast they're going. Look at, but God is saying stay on the path. Stay on the path question I have for you this morning for you to think about in your hearts and in your spirit is which path are you on? Which path are you on? Are you on the path of least resistance? Or are you on the path that's the journey to life, the one that's full of difficulties? Let me just tell you, in life you're going to face difficulties anyway, right? Everybody has to face life, everybody. Why not face life with Jesus? Why not give Jesus a try? You can't fake it and make it. You can't fake it and make it. Number two, the point that Jesus makes here is that fakers will try to lead you astray. Fakers will try to lead you astray. Verses 15 to 20 of this passage say this, and I'm going to read them again. They're on the screen. Beware of false. Everybody say false. Everybody say false. Everybody say false. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. 
You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from, thor- from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by the actions. The path that we showed that leads to heaven, the path of difficulties, is lined by people who are fake trying to lead you astray. It's lined by people who are called false prophets here, and this is actually a phrase that Paul picks up on, and he's talking about throughout much of the book of 2 Corinthians. When Paul is writing that letter, he talks about how he's combating and he's fighting against the the, the words and the thoughts of the false prophets, those who proclaim to be Christian but are actually leading people astray, those people who claim to say that we can fake it till we make it, but they're actually leading people astray. If the path to heaven was not hard enough, we also need to be on guard for those who are tempting us to get off of that path. Oh, you're going through a difficult time? It must be God's fault. Blame God for the difficult time that you're going through. Jesus doesn't care about you. Jesus doesn't love you. Oh, you suffered that loss? Jesus doesn't care about you. Watch out for false people. The issue with fake people leading God's people astray is not new. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 to 5, uh, Ethan has that scripture up there. I'm actually not going to read the whole scripture. You can go through and read it yourself later on. But uh, this passage gives us two tests to determine whether people are fake or not. Two paths or two truths or two tests to determine whether people are fake or not. The first one is that they perform signs and wonders, but they lead people away from God. And the second one is that their words do not come true. Paul dealt a lot with fake people. We deal a lot with fake people now. Fake people who claim to be Christians, who claim to be, you see their videos on YouTube all the time. You see their videos on Facebook all the time. They, they claim to be speaking the words of God. They claim to be saying the things of God. But a true test is, do those things come true? Or are they leading people to God or away from God? Unfortunately, these people, and I'm not even thinking of anybody in particular right now, but I've just seen a lot of these people have these huge followings. These huge followings. And all they're doing is just leading people astray. They're leading people astray. They're telling them false things. And Paul had to deal with these fake people leading God astray is not new. Just the context has changed. How many of you know some sheep in your, or some wolves in your life who have disguised themselves as sheep? (laughs) Don't tell me their names. The sheep that come up to you think they want, they're going to be all cute and cuddly. Oh, this person loves me. This person cares. Look at that sheep. Look at how cute that sheep is. Only to find out once you get to know them, they're ravenous wolves. Did I say that word right? Ravenous wolves. Wanting to destroy you. We need to be careful at Lake Erie Church for people who are going to stand up and make fake claims. 
Is there if I'm saying this? I believe it is because nobody's saying anything. That means it's a word from the Lord. We need people who are not, who are, we, we need to stand up and to be on guard for those who are trying to lead us astray. Oh, you believe you're supposed to be a church that loves God and loves people, but what about Madison? What about all, oh, you think that you're going to make a difference, but drugs has been an issue in that location, or, or this, the, these thought, depression, anxiety has been an issue, and all that kind of, stop settling for what v- wolves are saying. Stop accepting defeat because fake people have one goal and that's to lead you astray they want it to now listen it's not them okay our battle is not against flesh and blood we need to realize that it's not the person it's the enemy working in the person and the enemy has sought ever since the beginning to, to seek who he could steal from kill and destroy And he'll do anything that he can to do it, even disguise himself as a sheep. We need to be cautious of that. We were told this in the Little Red Riding Hood story, right? You guys remember the little nursery rhyme, Little Red Riding Hood? She goes, she thinks she's talking to her grandma, but it's really the wolf who's just wanting to destroy her. We need to be careful that we don't fall victim to the wolves that are trying to lead us astray. We need to be on the lookout. Now listen, once again, I'm not saying that we have to spend all of our time, oh, that's a fake person. No, 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 no. We just need to have our hearts ready and our spirits set for discernment that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Listen, I believe that our pastor preaches the word of God every Sunday. And I believe that the words that come out of his mouth and the words that come out of my mouth, those are true and genuine words. So if someone was to ever say something in refute of that, I think it's important for us to challenge what they're saying. Or if something that someone says is in refute of what the word of God says. And listen, I know what the world's trying to do right now. The world's trying to twist the word of God. The world's trying to twist it to make it form and make it, and make it uh, adhere to their belief system. We need to be careful of that as well. We need to stand firm on what the Word of God says. We need to stand firm on what the world, Word of God says. The Word of God that says that real godly people produce good fruit. Fake ungodly people produce bad fruit. A a fake person may appear as though they have it all together because they're saying and doing the right things, but eventually, if they're fake, it'll come out. When the fake comes out, like a bad tree, it will face destruction. You and I, though, let me just tell you this. You and I are not in the business of administering that destruction. Yeah, we're supposed to discern and be able to tell whether or not someone is fake, but it is not your job to destroy them. It's not my job to destroy them. You know what our job is? Our job is to love them anyway. God has called us to love them anyway. We need to... (laughs) Stop being the judge, jury, and executioner. We need to stop doing that. 
Listen, I know that there have been times where I've read things and I've seen things that I just want to, that really makes my blood boil and I, I, it just irritates me. But God has called me to love those people anyway. We need to love those people anyway. God is the one who's in the business, and he talks about here at the end of this passage, he's the one who's in the business of administering and dealing with and judging those who are fake. How, go, how God does this or how Jesus does this is the last point that he addresses, the last truth that we will discuss. So we've talked about how, first of all, that we uh, only a few people take the path to life and that fakers will try to lead you astray. The third point is this, and I'm getting ready to close, is that fakers don't make it. Fakers don't make it. Verses 21 to 23 says this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, twice we've seen this now. Lord, Lord, they say. We prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we perform many miracles in your name. Verse 23, Jesus says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Of all of the passages that we've discussed so far in this, this, this sermon that Jesus is giving, these are the ones that challenge us the most, in my opinion. There are several that do. These, these three verses are perhaps some of the most somber verses in all of the New Testament. Imagine. Jesus, we prophesied in your name. Jesus, we did all that we thought we could do. Jesus, we, we... And then Jesus says, depart from me. You may have been able to deceive people, but you can't deceive Jesus. Imagine the weight of those words. Depart from me. I never knew you. The Jesus who spends all of your life pursuing after you, who spends all of your life that no matter what it is that you do to reject him, no matter what it is, even sending him to a cross to die, Jesus still pursues after you up until this point where the rubber meets the road and your fake life is over. Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. Listen, you can't fake it and make it. Because you know why you can't? Jesus knows you better than you even know yourself. You can deceive everybody else. Oh, I just feel the Spirit of the Lord right now. You can deceive everybody else. But Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows your heart. Your actions may be so deceptive that everybody says that you're the holiest person in the world. But Jesus knows your heart. I can't, I mean, I'm just thinking of those words, depart from me. I never knew you. Here we are, here we're learning that professing Jesus with your words and your, is not enough. 
You have to have a genuine relationship with God, one that causes you to change your entire life, the one that causes you to walk out the will of the Father every day that you live, a genuine relationship with God that has changed your life, completely transformed your life, not so that you could come to church and play church and go home and live hell every other day of the week. Oh, but I said, Lord, Lord, I sang the worship songs. I gave in the offering. I did everything that I, no, 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 no. Unless you have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, one that is covered with the blood of Jesus, one that every single day that you wake up, you make a proclamation that this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it, and I'm going to walk in the will of the Father. I'm going to do whatever it takes, pastor to be countercultural. I don't care what the world is saying. I don't care what Madison is saying. I don't care what law was passed. I don't care what it says. I choose this day to serve the Lord. We have a lot of people who are faking it. Stop faking it. Stop faking it. Please, for the love of God, stop faking it. The book of Revelation talks about that it's better to be cold than it is to be lukewarm. Some of you are content with being lukewarm, walking in, going through the motions, all the while you're dying on the path of destruction. We need to stop faking it, church. You need to stop faking it, Christian. You realize the term Christian is little Christ. You're supposed to be little Christ every day of the week, not just on Sundays. And listen, I'm not, this word, I'm preaching this to myself just as much as I'm preaching it to us. We have to do the will of God no matter what it takes and not compromise not compromise on our morals and, and not waver this way or that, trying to figure out what a guy is, what a girl is, what's gender, what's your identity. Stop it! Oh, but I prophesied in your name. I, I drove out demons. I went to church. I was a member of the church. I did all the churchy and Christianity things. You really can do all of those things but not have a genuine relationship with Jesus, one that compels you to live out the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 7, every day of your life. Man, depart from me. I never knew you. Jesus is saying this to a Jewish audience who thought, listen, the Old Testament, you see their faith and their commitment to their faith, and Jesus is saying, some of you are fake. Because they lacked a genuine relationship with Jesus. And if he's calling them fake, I think we need to take those words to heart. Because they were faithfully committed to the law. So much so that Paul wrote the entire book of Romans trying to get them to realize that, yeah, the law is great. But unless you have a genuine relationship with Jesus, it means nothing. 
it means nothing. The bottom line is you can't fake it and make it to heaven because God knows the real you. What I believe is that God is calling some within the church and even uh, some Christians within the church and, 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 and the church overall to wake up and stop faking it. We think that we have to fake it in order to get the message of Jesus across. But listen, the, the Bible says that if you raise me up, I will draw all men unto me. Stop faking it. Dustin, stop faking it. Church, stop faking it. We need to get serious and genuine about our faith. Because if we don't, we're never going to reach this city. You believe that? I believe that we're generations. We believe in generations. If we're not serious, church, you guys who are in here, the adults of the church, we're never going to reach the generations. We're never going to reach Madison. We're never going to reach Geneva. And if we do, we bring people in, we're going to introduce them to a, a fake faith. I love, Pastor introduced this idea to the staff a couple weeks ago. I love the fact that it's August and we're taking time to fast and pray. Because it's time for us to stop being fake. It's time for us to start being genuine. We can't fake it and make it. Yeah, you know what? We can fake it and build good buildings. We can fake it and fill up every chair in this place. We can fake it and have three services every Sunday. We can fake it and, and have the best daycare ever. We can fake it and have a youth ministry that runs over 100 people every Wednesday. But unless we have a genuine relationship with Jesus, unless we have a genuine encounter, every time someone comes in that door, we're introducing them to a genuine Jesus so that they can have genuine faith, it's all for naught. You could go through the motions every day and still be on the path to destruction. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.